You know, in the last few weeks, we have been in a series walking through the book of James. This letter that James wrote to us about how to live out our faith in a dark world, in, in a world that's trying to pull us away from God. How do we have a faith that works, a faith that holds strong? And you know, in the first week, uh, we talked about, James said these words, when troubles come, pretty sure troubles have come. But here's what he said, when they come, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I love that word consider because what he's telling us is you have a decision to make. How will you view what's happening? Will you let the circumstances control your thinking and your emotions? Or will you let your faith in God determine how you think and how you feel? Um, And then we moved on. And and last Sunday, how many of you joined us online last week in the middle of the storm? Yeah. We had over 2,000 people uh, watch the service on Facebook alone uh, and not the service. It was like four of us on the stage having a good time. Um, but thank you for being a part of that. And, and we had so many others watch on the app and things. We had just thousands of people be a part. But we talked about these words. Um, James taught us, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Don't just receive the word of God, but respond to it by doing something and putting your faith in action. I had no idea when I sat right here last Sunday and was sharing this word across the internet how quickly the words of James were about to be put into action. And I'm so proud of the people of Triumph and our community that answered the call and have put our faith into action. And so what I wanted to do was uh, just talk to you uh, for a minute about some of the things that have taken place. Um, I know that you've all been tracking the storm, so I won't go through every detail of it. But, you know, the storm hit, and in the first, the first family members of Triumph that really be- began to be affected was all of our churches, our, our, our people from Southwest Houston and our uh, Sugarland Stafford campus, as well as our Angleton campus. And um, it was a very terrible thing to be stuck over here and not be able to get to my family because of all the flooding to help them. Uh, Some of you saw on Facebook how we were trying to evacuate my family and make good decisions. And I'm over here, they're over there, and my father is having an episode with his inner ears that many of you know about and have been praying for. And he's laying on the floor, sick, uh, incoherent, uh, cold sweats, uh, can't even move. And so there's three women and a baby in the house running around, and I don't need to tell you how that was going. Um, But, uh, calm? Yeah, Pastor Kara said it was calm, but there was sarcasm reeking uh, from just pouring over. And so we're trying to help them, but it was so difficult. We're, We're contacting people, we're navigating people through the floods to get out safely and trying to get them to Dallas and College Station and everything, and just doing all we can to help. And suddenly, the problem hit here. And the first thing that happened here was um, we started having families that were being evacuated by boats. The same thing we had been watching on TV in Houston was now happening literally all around the church, all down 105. Um, families in Nome and China and Sour Lake and Bevel Oaks. You, you guys saw it on TV. And um, we're, we were trying to pull them out. And, you know, uh, Pastor Ronnie, who's sitting right here beside me, scoot up a little bit just if you don't mind. If y'all could pass him the mic. Um, Pastor Ronnie and I were in communication and our our team was in communication. And we were doing all we could to save families. Talk to me just a little bit about maybe something you did or something that you saw happen. Sure. Um, First thing that comes to mind that meant the most to my son and I, uh, we were sitting there and we didn't get any water in the house. So I told my son, I said, we've got to go help some people. I mean, you're hearing all these people losing their homes, needing to be rescued. So had a brainstorm. My dad had an old aluminum boat sitting behind his house, no motor. And so we grabbed it, and we said, we're going to go help somebody somewhere, some way. So we drove up Ovalth Road here, and we saw the water behind these streets. And so we saw somebody getting ready to launch a boat. So we got out, said, how can we help you? And they said, well, we're going to get some of our personal stuff. I said, okay. So we helped them launch their boat. 
then a lady came walking down the street, and I said, is there anything we can do for you? And she said, no, I'm fine. She says, but there's an elderly lady, seven houses down on the right. I t looked at my son. I said, we've got to go help. The water was up to a little bit below our waist at that time. So we waited out there as quick as we can, make a long story short, and uh, knocked on the door. She wouldn't answer. I, I tiptoed, looked through the top of her window, and I saw her there. She's in a wheelchair. And I just started banging on the door, saying, ma'am, we're here to help. We're here to help. Finally, after about five or ten minutes, uh, she opened the door, and she said, can I help you? I said, ma'am, the water's rising. I said, we got to get you out of here. And she said, I'm not going. Just not going anywhere. I said, ma'am, I said, you're two inches from the water being in your, your receptacles. You, we need to get you out. She said, no. It's already in the house. I mean, she's in a wheelchair like this deep. Uh, water's up to her ankles. Two dogs. And she's just rolling around in, 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 that, in that kind of water. And so anyway, um, I said, well, can I call a family member? So called four different family members. They begged and pleaded her to get out, to let us take her out. And she told them all no. I called them back again. This went on for an hour. I told my son, we are not leaving her here. Went on for an hour. And they were literally, her family was crying on the phone, begging her to let us take her out. So anyway, she, didn't, uh, she wouldn't let us take her out. So we couldn't force her to get out. I said, well, let me get a family member to get permission to turn your power off. Because I didn't want her to get electrocuted. So me and Christopher walked around, turned the power off. And I looked at my son. I said, we got to try one more time. So we went, knocked on her door again. She said, no. I said, well, ma'am, let me at least, can I pray for you? And she said, she said yes, I, that's fine. So we prayed. And I, we said a, a quick prayer for her. You know, just God put a hedge of protection around your house. Mm -hmm. And I, I, we prayed specifically, if things get worse, please, Lord, send somebody to get her. And we left. And two or three hours later, we came back to the church. The water was higher. And I told Christopher, literally, my eyes got watery when we passed again, and it was higher. I said, Christopher, we've got to go get this lady out. We pulled into the driveway here, and guess who comes rolling out? Somebody had went back after we had left, probably an hour later, knocked on her door again and got her. And I went up to her. I said, I'm so glad to see you. And she said, she said after you all left, she said, I went in my living room, and, and the water started rising so high, so quick. She said, I was praying you guys would come back. And next thing I know, somebody's knocking on the door. And, boy, I got in and I got out. So I'm like, thank God for that. Yeah. yeah. Pastor Brandon and his brother Mark were working out on 105 and, in, again, and around this area. Talk just a little bit about who's got the mic there. Pass, pass it down that way. Um, just a little bit about, uh, you know, maybe some story about that. We on? Try it again. Nope, we'll pass it on down. All right, well, yeah, me and my brother, we, I was in the same boat as um, Pastor Ronnie. Um, we actually met up on 105. I guess that was a good pun, same boat. Uh, but um, there was no water in our neighborhood at the time, and so we were on 105 and, and Pinewood, Bevel Oaks area, and so we had a, several families that are members of our church that have texted us or call and said please help us get out water is literally over their roof they're just kind of staying in an island area and so we got the opportunity to help uh, a couple of families there and just to see their face to see somebody that they relate they related with and just hug you and when you have a um i'm not going to say his name but you probably know if i say it a marine that warns up to you that's been through things that we couldn't imagine and just grabs you and hugs you and is crying and saying, I lost everything, but I'm so glad you're here. Um, you know that God is working through you and, and uh, using you to help people. Um, but one specific, me and my brother were riding around. It wasn't really bad yet. Um, and God laid Chris and Gina Robinson on my heart. I said, man, we got to go by their house. And they live back here off tram on Best Road. Uh, we get there and it's like over their fence in their house um, and I'm thinking oh my goodness and their house is sitting back so it hadn't got to their home yet well fire and rescue was there and they were saying no they're not going to leave they're going to stay uh, they don't want to get out we've told them get on the boat they're not going to leave so I text them I said man you got to get out of here and so he comes wading out through his his uh, driveway up to probably over his stomach and he gets out to me and he said 
I'm not going to leave. We're going to wait. And I said, Chris, you need to go. We, we need to get you out of here. And he said, okay, give me 30 minutes. And so um, just the opportunity to get them out. They're four dogs. Uh, if you know me, I'm scared of dogs. So it was an adventure. Uh, <laughs> getting in water, grabbing dogs was scary, but I was praying the whole time. Uh, and so, um, but get them, getting them safe to see members that have helped launch Beaumont Church um, was incredible, and just to watch their lives um, and the thankfulness that they have. And they even came here and helped a little bit uh, and before they got to really get out to family members. But it was, it was amazing to see God work. And uh, just to say, if God puts anything on your heart or on your spirit, don't ever think, no, it's not God. Go quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and they lost everything. You know, it's all the way up to the top of their roof. Um, just just inc- two-story house. Two-story house is all the way to the top of the roof. So thank God that you went over there and got them out. Um, well, so what we did here was, as they were rescuing all around us here, uh, you know, this neighborhood was completely underwater behind us. Um, uh, Gerald, who, who serves here, he's working in the sound right now. His family back here, they got water in their house. They live right across the street. Water was up in our parking lot. And so what we, we opened here was, um, was a, a, a temporary staging area where they could pull people out of the water, set them here. We opened the doors, and we, were, we just made available whatever we could to, until we could get them to a shelter. We're trying to get them dry and, and food. And um, Pastor Chris and, and Pastor Dino were here. Pastor Dino and Lisa had uh, significant amounts of water in their house, but that didn't stop them. They came here and served anyway. And I wanted to hear from the two of you guys, whichever one goes first. Just tell us a little bit about what was happening in that. Okay, well, uh, we got some water in our house, I guess, Monday morning. And then we came over to Beaumont, and we were in a hotel for a while. Had my daughter and my grandson, son-in-law with us. And um, we made a couple moves here and there, and then we were able to get connected. I think I got a text from Chris and a phone call from Pastor Randon saying that they needed some help over here at the church. So we get here, and you could see the hand of God just moving. You know, you can see, you know, all the volunteers and the pastors in here just working hard. But there were people that came from Dallas and other parts of Texas that doesn't know anybody out here. And to see those people come in and give 110%, give their all for people that they know nothing about. But they put every differences aside and they were able to help people, rescue people. Then I saw people go the extra mile. It wasn't just, you know, we're going to get them and we're going to drop them off. Once they dropped them off, they were concerned about them, yeah. you know, making sure that they got the proper care and they were at the proper place. And then from here, we sent them out to um, different shelters. Uh, Chris and I were hauling people from, uh, from, from this location over to the other side of Beaumont, over here, some of them on Highway 90, and just begin to see God move. But as I'm carrying these people, I heard God speak. Because I have a secular job, you know, and sometimes you get caught up into your job and you don't see that it is the master that provides for you. And as I'm going through and I'm dropping people off, I hear God speak to me. Remember, Dino, I provide for you. I provide. And when he when when he spoke that to me, things that I needed, doors begin to just open just like that. Things from the bishop, he, he, he was able to help me and get me connected to some stuff. Uh, I had some horses that were still in the water uh, over at my home. Um, and when I needed the help to get those horses out, God sent the help to get these horses out because I couldn't get them out. They weren't moved. They were in shock. They were hurting. And Lisa made a random call. And I just, I just saw God move in my life as well as I did for the, pe- for the people that we were helping. Yeah. Pastor Chris. I don't know how it was where you were. Maybe it was the waters were really high, maybe not so bad. But our home, um, a street over water was, was pretty high for about 24 hours. But around both of our campuses was significant flooding. You know, Port Arthur area over Nederland and, and around Beaumont. And it was just amazing to see just the sort of the helplessness of, of the people af- affected and just so helpless and so innocent families and children and, and elderly um, and people in wheelchairs, and people in wheelchairs that had animals, and, and if, if people like you hadn't moved, where would they be? 
Um, but there, there's situations where we're so serious, and thank you guys so much for what you did. And, and both campuses, it's just amazing. I mean, this campus was full of people, and Nederland, of course, you're talking about it. It looked like Armageddon. Yeah. Just a, amazing of, of the, the, the sanctuary, the lobby, the balcony. It was full of people, and then you all can talk yeah. about that. But one story that, um, that comes to mind in, in particular with, with all the devastation that was had, there was a family uh, that was in Orange, and they were without electricity since Monday just the mom and, and the kiddos, the dad was working at the plant and he was flooded in. And I don't think she really knew how bad the water was getting a- around. And um, so we started working t- to get help and we finally got them out. Uh, they got out on a boat and, and just the water started rising pretty fast in orange. Mm-hmm. And so because of that and so much sort of chaos was going on, they dropped this mom and kiddos off just in a parking lot. And so we were trying to find a way to, to get them help and her. And so Pastor Kirk drove, like, by way of, like, Tennessee, like, Nashville, <laughs> Cincinnati, <laughs> to, go, to go around and to get them in what he says the highest waters he's ever been through. And I'm on the phone, you know, looking at what, drivetexas.org, trying to figure out what roads are, are open, you know. And he's, you know, he's on the other end of the phone going, wow, wow. Yeah, give me just a minute. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, the waters were, were, were so high. And he got within, what was it, 10, just like 10 minutes of them. Yeah. He'd gone so far and got 10 minutes, and, and we, we couldn't get in. And, uh, and then, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for the Cajun Navy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, that showed up and, and got them out. But it was bad, and it was real. But thank you, Jesus, yeah. and thank you guys for all you did to uh, get people out. Yeah, so we worked here for, and we set it up. We went and bought as much food as we could buy at H-E-B and just started feeding people and helping people. And the waters kind of stopped rising over here for a bit. And we thought, man, maybe we're going to get a break here. And immediately, you know, the, the emergency shifted to Port Arthur. And so at this time in, in Nederland, Port Arthur, Port Natchez, Groves, uh, Pastor Albert and, and Ryan Stewart here, they're, they're working and they're driving around, pass it this way, they're driving around rescuing people, going in, wading in and getting people out. And we're getting phone calls and texts from people saying, come help us, Facebook, come help us. And these guys were going everywhere they could. So y'all talk just a little bit. Hey, they're taking too long on this end, shorten it up a little bit. Beaumont people, you know how they are. (laughs) Well, um, we did very well in Nederland. So as soon as we knew we were good, we we started heading out. And that was about Tuesday afternoon. Um, Shortly after that, we got a call from Deborah Valora, a member at Triumph Church Nederland. Her and her three girls were stuck in their apartment in Port Arthur, which was right off of 9th Avenue in Turtle Creek, if you know where that is. Uh, This was Tuesday afternoon, so the worst hadn't even hit yet. But we were in regular trucks. Another member joined us, Brian Daniels, and we drove as close as we could, which is basically Tokyo, right there, about five blocks away from where we went. Um, we, there was boats running all around, but that's as close as we can get. So we started walking, and uh, it was just raining and pouring. We could barely hear each other talk, and it was about waist-deep water. And we got there, and the water was just in her house. It was her and her three girls, a 14-year-old, 9-year-old, and a 2-year-old. And they were just sitting there, you know, waiting for someone to come get them. Um, so we waited through all that, but there was no way we were going to be able to get back with that two-year-old just in our arms. And thank God, a big 250 truck came by and um, just a, a truck full of people. And we were like, can you please help us get these people um, to where they need to go? So they said yes, and we just stuffed as many people in that truck as we could. They were holding the babies in the back seat, yeah, just passing them down the window with all their gear. And we jumped in the back seat, and they drove us through those waters. And the water was was still rising at that point. Um, Even that truck wasn't able to get down there um, shortly after that. We kept trying to help people. Um, And that evening, we went to Max Bowl, and the waters were so high, there was nowhere we could, there was nowhere we could help. The fire department, the police department, they were just struggling. They were trying so hard. How can we get to these people? How can we keep searching? Um, And it was not till the, the next day that we were able to return to the area and help even more, just because that night it got so much worse. Not yet. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I know a lot of you have similar stories and everything that we were doing. Um, 
and it was just so cool to see just random people just coming together to help. Uh, we had to go get um, uh, Ryan's in-laws. They were stuck at an apartment complex that was already in three, four feet of water. And again, it was the same story. You know, we didn't have a boat. <laughs> like we were begging people, someone give us a boat, but that wasn't gonna, so we just kind of got as close as we could and then just started wading, swimming, splashing, whatever you could do to get there. And uh, luck, fortunately, we were, we were able to get them. We got to them and they had a big work truck there. Um, but then they were able to kind of get that truck going and, and get it moving all along a little bit to, to get up to the edge of the water. Uh, and so then they ended up pulling up and say, hey, you guys need some help getting out of here? And so, yeah, please help us get out. And we, uh, we got that family out. And then after a few days, it was impossible to get back to that complex, but we were able to return um, yesterday. We actually had some friends of ours who were in the Coast Guard. And so I drove up as close as I could, and, and he kind of walked out to get, and he was like, so you're here to save the Coast Guard out of the water. I was like, get in the car. Let's just get out of here. Um, and so we, what we saw a lot of is, you know, we, you know, don't underestimate what you're able to do. We weren't able to get to the deeper waters. We weren't able to get to the places where uh, the water was moving rapidly. But what we were able to do was get to the people that were being passed over, uh, people who were just walking, people who were getting soaked, people who were stuck in the storm, uh, people who were only in a foot deep now, but it was going to get worse. And uh, so I just want to encourage you, don't underestimate the work that you did. I know, I know everyone in here has stories that you could share. It's, it was a big deal, and I just want to thank you guys for doing that. Yeah. So that night was one of the most torturous nights for so many people in this room. And, and uh, I know for us, I was flooded in, couldn't get out. Um, and yet we're up all night long receiving texts and calls and Facebook from people in this room others that are not here today, please help me. Single mom, three babies, can't get out. I'm in my attic. I'm on my roof. I'm on the top of my table. And all night long, you know, this team and so many others of you that I can't even name all the names were just trying to connect need with rescuer, need with rescuer. And it was, it was uh, just a horrible night. It was just about as bad of a night as I think uh, has, has ever hit uh, for so many people. So the next morning, uh, I determined I'm coming out one way or the other, and thank God he lowered the water level just enough that I didn't have to totally ruin my truck to get out because I just decided, I called Dad. I was like, Dad, I'm coming out. And he's like, Son, don't, don't ruin your truck and put your life in danger. I said, There's too many people whose lives are in danger. I'm coming out. And thank God he helped, uh, helped us to get through. And so we go to the Needland Church. Needland Church took, church took on a good bit of water. Um, but the water was out at this point. There was standing water, but it wasn't, the floodwaters had receded just enough. So volunteers, I don't know where you came from, but those that were there just, I, I don't know how you ended up there. Um, and, I, and we're like mopping up water and cleaning up and getting set up. And I said, okay, we're going to set up a temporary staging area. There's 20 people at Walmart right now that the Walmart staff can't handle. There's four people working in the entire Walmart store. So we're going to bring them here until the, uh, the right people can get them to the shelters. 20 exploded and multiplied. And 20 became hundreds. They were driving up to the church with literal um, uh, dump trucks and, and trailer loads of 20 and 30 and 40 people at a time. One guy had a pontoon boat. I guess he ran out of gas. I don't know. So he had about a 25-foot pontoon boat. He just left it on his trailer and used it as a means to haul people. So they were pulling them out of the water and then just hauling them and dropping them off the church. We had nothing. We cleaned out the nurseries of every graham cracker and animal cracker and you know, goldfish. And we're like, Lord, you're going to have to multiply these fishes right now. I ain't even kidding. And suddenly the place is exploding. The entire foyer cafe of the Needleton Church down the hallways were packed. We couldn't get any more people in. We're taking them to the balcony because that's the only place that's dry. Everything is soaking wet. We're taking them to drop. We fill up the balcony. We fill up the nurseries upstairs. We fill up the kid rooms upstairs. Now we're like, what are we going to do? We're going to have to put them in the wet sanctuary. Now we're filling up the wet sanctuary, standing water. We're filling them up and people are everywhere. There's at any given moment, there was 100 to 200 people outside that just weren't even in yet or didn't want to come in. They are dropping people off by the trailer loads on two sides. We're like, just come on in. Like, Can you take them? I don't know. Come on in. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, people just started showing up with food and water and clothing and towels and pillows. And 
We made multiple trips to Walmart. I said, here's my church card. Just go buy anything they have. I don't even know. These ladies, wherever you are, made hundreds of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I don't mean like one or two. I mean hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And volunteers are showing up and they're just going to work. And man, it was incredible. I don't know how many people we had come through there that night. Um, my staff has been trying to figure it out. Some of my staff says no less than five or 600. Others say as much as a thousand people came through over the course of the night. We finally hear the, the shelters in Beaumont are closed. They've locked their doors. So then they say the Montaigne Center is open. So we are now shipping people from there to the Montaigne Center. So we've got three vans from the, the daycare running people. And the funniest thing, this isn't happening fast enough, right? So all of a sudden, Pastor Ryan is out on the street behind the Needleton Church, if you know where I'm talking about. He's flagging random cars that are coming through. And he's flagging them down and saying, hold on. They roll down their window and says, yeah, you can hold five. Get in this line right here. <laughs> you can hold seven. They get in the line. <laughs> We're filling people up and say, take them to the Montaigne Center. They're like, okay. <laughs> they just start driving. We had our own little like Uber service going on. And if you were, if you were like, okay, I'm an Uber driver today, and and uh, man, it was it was absolutely incredible the things that were happening. And are y'all okay? Can we keep talking about this for a minute? Y'all in a rush? Okay. I don't want to keep you too long. I'm just trying to just 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 talk a minute. Um, and so, uh, man, just all the volunteers that were there, uh, Pastor Darren, tell just a little bit uh, about where'd the mic go down here. Tell just a little bit about what was, was happening uh, that night. Volunteers just started showing up, not just our church volunteers, but people from out of the city, out of the county, other churches just started flocking our church when they heard what we were doing. And we had people calling us saying, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And so coordinated all of this and having the volunteers available at a moment's notice was like a blessing from God because it was changing moment to moment. And just the amount of volunteers that stepped up, even if you were one of the flood victims, you were there pouring your heart and soul in it. I have never been more proud to be a Texan at that point. Yeah. There was a spirit of Texas that rose up. And within those people, the Spirit of God just swelled up and was amazing. And the outpour and the sincerity and the generosity is still overwhelming us. We're not even done yet. People are still wanting to volunteer. What can I do? What can I do? We've got a lot of work ahead of us, but I can promise you we have got the people that are ready and able to do whatever God is going to give us the will to do. We're going to see amazing things happen. So thank you, volunteers. And a shout-out to you young people. You guys rocked. You guys went from one project to another, stayed up 24-7 with the rest of us. You guys were the most impressive, and you are amazing. God bless you for all you did. So two quick stories that happened in there, and then we'll keep moving the, the, the timeline along. First of all, somewhere during the day, and I'm running back and forth from Beaumont to Nederland and trying to organize these things, a, a text comes through our, on our staff group me, and it's something about there's some kids that are separated from their parents. But I didn't know where it was. I didn't know it was at our church. I just saw some flash and, and kept moving. So later that day, in the midst of all this chaos and hundreds of people around, I get a random phone call from someone. I still don't even know who it was. And she says, I'm so-and-so from somewhere, and I have a guy here that's looking for his kids. Do y'all have any kids that are not with their parents? And I'm like, man, I, I mean, there are, there are hundreds of people here. I don't, know what, I don't, I don't even ha- know if I have a way. And suddenly I remembered that text, and I said, you know what? Call me back in five minutes. So I'll go find our team, and I'm like, do we have any kids missing here? And so, I, we, sure enough, we had three kids. They were like four, three, and two. Um, a, a sister, uh, a girl, and two boys. And, and they're missing from their parents. So they tell me their name. And I'm like, okay. So I, I call, the lady calls me back. She says, I've got him. His name is so-and-so. And I said, hang on the line right here. So I get the dad on the phone. And I race up to the, to the nursery where we were keeping these kids. And I said, hey, guys. 
what's your name? And the little girl who's like four or so, she says, my name is something, something. I could barely understand her. I said, what's your name? And he said his. And I said, what's your name? And I said, I couldn't even hardly understand what they were saying to me. Uh, and, but I said, I've got somebody that wants to talk to you. And I put the speakerphone on and I let her, their parent, their father, start talking to these kids. And they had been separated. Some, the kids were taken by helicopter out. And the dad was taken out by boat. And they end up at separate shelters. And all of a sudden, when they heard their dad's voice, the smile on their faces, the joy in their heart, they hugged each other. They hugged me. And just a little bit later, that father showed up at the church. And we were able to reunite a family. It was one of the most incredible moments. One more story. Um, at some point that evening, late that evening, um, the, the Montaigne Center shelter closed its doors and said, we're overwhelmed, we can't take anymore. So we ended up with 200, 250 people that I said, just bring them back to the church. And our van drivers were like, are you sure, Pastor? I'm like, I'm sure. We were we, we didn't have anything left. Our supplies had, had run out. And I, I turned to my staff that was there and I said, we're going to have to prepare to hold these people overnight. So I want you to go and assess what supplies that we have. Now, I already knew we only had a couple of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a few fruit cups. That's all we had left. And as they take off to find out and assess how many pillows, how many blankets, how much food do we have, I'm, I'm looking at... 200 plus people saying, God, what do we do? They're hungry. They're starving. What do we do? And I look over, I'm standing in the parking lot and I look over to my left and uh, a a big uh, semi truck comes pulling in the parking lot and behind it is two other trucks. And the third truck is pulling about a 25, 30 foot um, trailer that has a massive smoker and barbecue pit on the back. They pull up into the church. I have no idea who these people are. It turns out the truck drivers are from Houston that have been working over here. They don't really even know where they are. They were disconnected from home, so they were just using their truck to haul people in and out, out in Finette. Didn't even know where Finette was. They just said, we're somewhere out on the other side out there of the, uh, the 365 uh, storm gate, and we ended up over here, and we have a hotel room, but we were starving. And everything is closed. So we saw this guy on the side of the road with this big cooker. So we pulled up and asked him if he was selling food. And the guy said, no, I'm not selling food. I'm looking to help some people and feed some people. So they were just driving around and ended up at the Triumph Church parking lot within minutes. Within minutes. I'm not talking about an hour later. I'm talking about they hadn't even come back with the full report yet. And these guys come back. They had 600 pounds. It's a 15-year-old kid from Lufkin, Texas that's the cook and a couple of electricians. And and this kid had cooked 600 pounds of pulled pork. And they start feeding some of the, I don't know, it was like the best sandwich I've ever had in my life. I don't even know. And we served everybody there, some first responders, all of our volunteers, until everybody was full. And then we sent them on to another shelter to feed over there. And listen, I'm telling you, it was within minutes that God, we said, I I really, I felt like it was one of those moments when they said, the people are hungry. And Jesus said, what do you have? And the moment they presented what they had, Jesus multiplied it. And that is literally how fast it happened. So all night long, we have people there. It was wonderful. The people were great. They were so grateful, and we had no problems. We got them out the next morning, and suddenly the focus shifted between now we're trying to get trucks and trailers and things to people that need it. Pastor Angel, tell me just real quick how many things you fielded uh, that you helped get. Yeah, I, I was just amazed at the generosity of people, not only in our community, but the surrounding states all over our nation, we started, our whole staff started fielding hundreds of phone calls. We have a truck. We have a trailer. We have supplies. Where can we drop it off? Where can we bring it to? And so we started uh, receiving things at both of our campuses. We started sending trucks to uh, distribution centers. I can't tell you 
the hundreds of phone calls we all fielded, it was, it was mind-blowing. I mean, every time the phone rang at the office or my personal phone, I kept answering it, hey, I'm a church from such and such. We have a truck coming your way. Where can we drop it off? And I, I would hang up, and the phone would ring again. And I, I can't even, it was countless numbers of this. And all of our staff was experiencing this, not just myself, but it was amazing. I mean, it, God was just using people from all over the nation to pour into our community. It was yeah. beautiful. And you yourself, Pastor Andrew, fielded 84 phone calls yeah. and directed 84 loads to, to shelters that need it. Then I get a phone call from Pastor Joe Champion, Celebration Church in Austin, Texas, great church there, calls me out of the blue, says, man, I got planes coming your way right now. They're flying in, send somebody to the airport. So I put Pastor Ryan on this. He goes out to the airport. He, we don't have time to tell you the adventure he went through, but give us... Give us just a snapshot of what it was like out at the airport. Okay, I'm going to start where I'm with the colonel at the Air Force, out at the, out at the airport. The Army had commandeered the airport by the time we had gotten there. Um, our planes were already in the air. Joe Champion and their group, they were sending 20 flights our direction with supplies in it. Um, yeah, exactly. Wow. Like, I'm not a flight controller. I am not an airport staff person. I don't know what to do with 20 airplanes especially at a closed airplane that the military has taken over. And um, if you didn't go by or see what was happening out at, out at our airport, it was an incredible sight. They moved out close to 8,000 evacuees in the largest C-130 airplanes that the Army uses to carry things. Coast Guard planes, um, American Airlines was bringing in airplanes, and they are jam-packed on our small airport. Well, then you move over to the other side of the airport, and it is covered with medical evacuations. If you remember, the, the city of Beaumont's water was out. Everybody remember that? Um, remember? Right. Like today, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Don't use the restrooms, by the way. Yeah, the restroom, the porta potties, that whole piece of the puzzle. Well, the hospitals were evacuating, and that's where they were also doing that. So not only do you have the evacuations of, of the normal citizens that are getting out, you also have the medical evacuations. There were hundreds of airplanes, helicopters, uh, jets, anything you can imagine, and they were taking a patient at a time in those aircraft. And so I walk out, and I've got to figure out how to land supply planes coming in. And at the time, there were no supply planes coming in. They weren't allowing it. Uh, well, by favor, I ended up on the runway with the colonel of the Air Force that was over the entire airport. Um, and he was talking to me, and I was talking to him, and he asked what was coming, what is the first size plane, and I tell him it's an old DC-3. If you know what an old DC-3 is, it's a World War plane, big, shiny, beautiful airplane. Well, no DC. yeah, it's yeah. propellers, yeah. and it's, it's, it, it was holding about 4,000 pounds of supplies. And his eyes lit up like a child at Christmas because he's an Air Force guy, and a DC-3 is a toy to him. This is something he's dreamed of his whole life, and he didn't get to fly in one, didn't ever get to play with one. And he looked at me, and he says, we have room for you. <laughs> Just like that. And so we got that DC-3 on the ground. We lost all of our hangar space because of uh, staging of buses and everything. But when, when the plane landed, um, God opened up doors, and the military opened up what they were doing for us also. They sent out personnel, trucks, everything to offload those planes and get it to the distribution points that we needed. And um, unfortunately, yeah, that day, they had to divert the rest of the 19 planes to Orange. And so they went there, and they were able to get supplies out there. But yesterday, we were able to bring in 20 planes. Today, there's another 20 planes coming in. And so we were able to land. We have hangar space. The military out at the airport has been the most accommodating people I have ever seen. They have been over and above what you would expect from them, um, as are all of our first responders. Um, yeah. The airport was a real hub for a lot of stuff, and I've got to see a lot and, and just understand what was going on from a, a little bit of a higher level. And they're helping us. The state of Texas is helping us. The country is helping us. They're sending support. We're not alone. Yeah. There is a lot of people on our side. When a pilot would get out of a plane with supplies, he may only have 1,000 pounds of supplies, but he was there to rescue somebody. You know, they're, they're, they're coming to help us, they're helping us, and they're excited to do it. So don't be discouraged that you're alone or that you're no. by yourself. There are 
thousands and thousands of people in this country that are going to help us, going to help you individually and as a community. We're going to be stronger and better. Amen? Amen. So in Orange County, we, uh, you, know, you said unfortunately, Pastor Ryan, but the truth is God was in control and we were able to send 19 planes out that way. Thankfully, they didn't have to turn around and go back because Orange County is still, the water's still rising from my understanding on this being right now. And so sending supplies out there. We also have some help going on. Some of our members are not here this morning because they're out leading the charge uh, in Bridge City right now. Pastor Kirk, can you give us just a quick update of what's happening out there? Uh, yeah, first of all, let me say I'm on a platform and in a room full of uh, my heroes. What these people and what you have done over the course of the last few days as these stories continue to come out, just amazing. In Bridge City, this is our third time in the last 12 years, our second. Many of my friends, many of Bridge City have lost their homes or businesses twice now in the last eight or nine years uh, after Hurricane Ike. Uh, we're coordinating the best we can. We, can't, we couldn't get out of town for three days. Uh, the bridges were closed, still underwater in a lot of places. But just as you've heard, random phone calls, we've determined that uh, that's code word. <laughs> There's no such thing as a random phone call. Uh, people get my number that if I wanted to be off the grid, apparently I couldn't. Uh, my phone rings and I say, hey, we're coming in from so-and-so and we've got this. Uh, Pastor Kara called me yesterday and said, hey, there's some guys coming down from Wisconsin. Where do you want me to send them? So I got on the phone with them and driving all night, uh, set up through one of the churches there in town who is doing a distribution center. Uh, David and Terry Godier's their house is still flooded in. They have, they have to canoe out of their neighborhood to, to get on. And, of course, you know that Terry's on the uh, uh, city council there in Bridge City. So she's on the ground today and, and trying to get things done. And just what we're doing, we're trying to feed people. Uh, we're trying to coordinate. Pastor Brenda spent, I'm guessing, 12 hours on the phone yesterday trying to contact many of our church members and guests and things that uh, we haven't heard from yet and those kind of things. So uh, we're still, it, it, it's still kind of a, I'm going to use this term and I don't mean it to be funny, it's still kind of fluid in Bridge City um, because it's, as Pastor Randon said, let me close, let me just say this. In the middle of the night at some point, uh, Bishop sent a text out to our group text and it said, you know, I can't be there, we'll do this, we're going to coordinate this. And then he wrote on the text, but Pastor Randon was born for this. And when I read that text, I, I could just, I, I remember just kind of going, I, I just could sigh for the first time. And uh, uh, so anyway, I love these people. You folks are my heroes. Bridge City still needs your help. We're still getting people out of houses in Orange. It's crazy as the waters continue to rise. The command center out there in Orange that was built after Hurricane Ike is where the Army is staging uh, there and, of course, the airport. And uh, it's, it's kind of like being in the midst of a military operation. And now I know why the helicopters are buzzing my house every few minutes. They're getting Pastor Ryan's supplies. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway. Hey, Pastor Kier. So we're almost done. Y'all okay? Nod your head at me if you're okay. I, we, can, we can cut it off if you want to. I just want you to know what you're doing. And um, you know what we, what? we ended up with supplies over here. So one of the things that happened is... Uh, there's just not enough food, as you guys know, not enough, not enough supplies in the city yet. And um, a lot of the families here in Beaumont and other places took on evacuees from other cities. So, you know, you go into a hurricane, you went to the store, you bought enough food for you and your family to make it. Suddenly you take in four, six, eight, fifteen more people. You don't have enough food. And so God sent us food here, and um, the teams yesterday, thank you for all who volunteered, came out and started getting the food out to people. And so we were helping victims and people who had taken in victims, both. Pastor Kara, tell us a little bit about what happened there. Okay, uh, so I just a couple things I just wanted to uh, acknowledge before I tell kind of the whole story. But first of all, just um, the power of social media in this storm has been unreal. I know there's been a lot of talk about how the rumors have escalated because of Facebook, but it is virtually saving lives. I mean, we've watched it over and over again, or you see a need and someone immediately, you wouldn't have ever known those people were in need had you not seen it. And with, um, those of us who were locked in and couldn't get boats and couldn't get out to help if we wanted to, were sending the information to these guys that were out there doing the work and uh, working together. And I just have thought that was just been yeah. remarkable to watch the need um, 
uh, and be able to help meet needs, even although I was sitting on my recliner doing, being able to do, just watching the news and sobbing all night long. All I could do was watch Facebook and send, send information uh, that can help. And that's just been so remarkable. And all of you that have helped us do that, we're so grateful for that. And uh, secondly, connected to that has been, we're talking a lot about what we as a church body and as a team have done, what you all have done. Um, but the, the church uh, as a body of Christ, Southeast Texas churches have, have come uh, they stood, uh, come to bat for our region. Churches all over are doing exactly yeah. what we're doing in their own ways, however they can. Uh, you know, we've all have been connected to pastors uh, from all over the region. We're, we live in Fanet. I've been talking to the pastors out there who are doing a work and taking care of those folks out there. Uh, pastors in Port Arthur and, and in China and in Lumberton and Vider and all over have come. To, a lot of these stories you heard were in connection with other pastors and other uh, teams and people who were working at different churches to make all of the things possible that you heard yeah. today. It wasn't just us. It's been an army of the body of Christ standing together and working together. And uh, it's just been beautiful uh, to see. And, uh, so uh, the last couple of days, what we've gotten the opportunity to do here is, as they've talked about all the truckloads that are coming from Lord knows where, they just show up and we just start unloading them. So that started happening down in our uh, youth sanctuary down at the end of the building uh, a couple days ago. And uh, as Pastor Rennan said, we know there's been so much need here. We, we could open the, open the parking lot and just say people line up, but we wanted to hit strategic needs, people who couldn't get to us, maybe elderly people, single moms, people who uh, had to leave their car behind when they evacuated and couldn't get to us. So uh, a few people, we sent out texts and said, help us find needs. Shiloh Harrington help us, helped us. Pastor Crystal Burns, who's not even here, she had to evacuate with her grandparents. She got on the phone and they just started blowing our phones up with addresses and needs of specific things of families in need. And um, so many of you came and helped us and we've spent two days organizing food and putting boxes together. And um, we just gave so many people, we just gave them an address and a box of food and uh, cases of water and said, go to these people. We don't even know their names. Just knock on their door and pray for them and bless them and give them the food. And we got to do that all over this region uh, to everyone we can find <laughs> to help until there was, you know, we have hardly... Uh, just about got all the food uh, taken out yesterday and uh, one in particular that just touched our hearts so much I think all of us that were here at that time um, there's a, a man and his teenage children who came from the neighborhood right behind us here he's totally flooded and he said one of the neighbors told us that y'all have food or may have clothes or something my kids don't even have dry clothes and so we have a, we had a small stack of clothes and we just and so we just said you know just go through it take anything you need and and we said, well, where are you even staying? He said, well, I'm out in Cheek, and there's 30 of us living in this one house right now uh, together. And so we said, well, we have to give you food. And so we started piling his truck up, and he had this little bitty truck and couldn't fit anything in it. We're like, he's like, slow down. I can't fit all that. I mean, they had it piled up everywhere. So one of our volunteers, uh, Carla, said, I I'll follow behind him. And so we started loading her car, and we brought all of this food and cleaning supplies and toiletries and things out to this. Um, that had to be five families staying in one house. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, Carla said when she pulled up and they started unloading, the mother of the home came out and just started sobbing because um, they just weren't sure how they were going to feed all of these. They had tons of children running around everywhere. Weren't sure how they were going to feed them. And they uh, were so grateful. And so thank you for everybody that was here. Uh, you made a huge yeah. difference yesterday. And then just to wrap up, the other thing that so blessed my heart was at one point we kind of were waiting on more names and more addresses to come in. So we were kind of in a lull and had lots of volunteers. And some wonderful people, I don't even know how they heard about what we were, they were, do, we were doing, but they're from Emmanuel Baptist Church, and they were here to help. And next thing you know, they're down here cleaning our sanctuary and mopping our floors so that we can have church today. Yeah. And um, it, we were just so wow. blessed. And One more story. I'm going to end with this story from Pastor Brandon, and uh, it's an important story. As you know, leading up to this storm, our nation has been racked with um, division and hatred, and something about this storm has changed the narrative, and I want him to tell you a just real quick story. Okay, um, so we had been up here for, what, three days or so, and we hadn't got to see our home and so finally we had a break. Uh, some people from uh, Covenant Church in Dallas, Pastor Stephen Hayes, came. And they said, we got a boat. We'll take you to your house. I said, okay. So as you know, we don't know what's going on. Everybody's saying everything's flooded. I'm nervous. You don't realize how stressed you are until you start driving in a boat through your neighborhood. 
And so we get there, and there's lots of people who are like, yeah, John, I told several people to jump on. We'll take you to your house. But one particular man, as we are taking him to his home, uh, he was an African-American man, and, and he was sitting in front of me in the boat. And, uh, and it's just looking at his home as we're driving up. He turns around, and he's with tears in his eyes. He says, I'm sorry. And I said, for what? Like, you know, he says, because with everything going on in this country, I've been fighting racism, but now I know that there are good people in every race. And um, I believe that God is taking this and shifting hearts uh, in this country. There are good people in every corner of this region, from every walk of life, and they've been pulling together. And somehow God is using this storm. I'm not telling you God caused it. I'm saying God is using it to heal a wound and a divide and bring people together. I hope that you're seeing that. I hope that you're feeling that. And I hope that you encourage that. I want to thank you for all that you've done. You know, people say, well, Pastor Randall, I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. I can't do what you're doing. I, I was just able to do this or that. I, I want you to know something. First of all, you do what you can do. And together, if we all do what we can, we'll make a big difference. All right? Don't be upset because you can't do, you don't know what the one little thing Somebody came up to me and handed me $100 and said, Pastor Renan, we just want to give this. It's not much, but it's all we have. And then within minutes, I said, okay. I stuck it in my pocket, didn't even have time to get it in the right location. I turned around and a guy said, We've been, we have been saving people for three days. We're out of money to, to put gas in our truck to save, and, and boats to save more people or even get back home. What can you do? I pulled out $100 that was just given to me, and they were able to keep going saving people. You never know. You never know. So keep doing what you're doing. If you're out and you're away, I don't want you to feel guilty that you're away and you're not here. You keep praying because so many of you have been a connection point to help us know what's going on, to get resources in, and to get the, the need known. And so you, we're okay. We're all in this together, and we are glad uh, that you're helping us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys uh, can, can be seated. Y'all give them a hand real quiet, real quick. <laughs> You know, we're convinced of this. Um, if we'll do what we can, God will do what he can. And if we'll take care of people, God will take care of us. But you know, um, it, it's Sunday again. And in the midst of the storm, the, the fact of the matter is we're back in the house of God. And I want to encourage you today to uh, be faithful to God in your tithe and offering. And I know that we're going through tough times and it's so easy to say, man, I can't. But I want to encourage you. To, to be faithful to God, be generous to God, and in that, He's going to bless you. Pastor Dino touched on it. He's doing what he can for God, and somehow God is meeting his needs. And uh, we still have bills to pay just like you do, and we still have employees to pay just like you do, building notes and electricity notes and insurance and everything else. The building in Needleton has been flooded. We have lots in front of us. But I believe that through the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of the people of God, we're going to get through. You can give online. You can give using envelopes. You can give on our app. All the normal ways are available. If you're from Nederlin today and you use an envelope, hey, just write on the envelope Nederlin Campus. We'll make sure it goes right to your campus as well. So I want to encourage you to get an offering ready. Uh, my wife and I will be giving on the app. I don't have my phone on me. Uh, but let's just get ready to give to God today and make sure we're putting Him first. Are you okay today? I'm going to share a word with you, and then we're going to pray together. And uh, we're, then we're going to hug, hug some necks and have a good time. All right. If you have your offerings ready, let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you every, for every person that's come here today. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for those watching online that are able to give today, Lord. We bring our tithe into the storehouse, Lord, knowing that you are going to bless us in this time. You're going to take care of us. And Lord, so we pray that you would multiply this gift today. Let it go above and beyond. Let it accomplish every purpose. Let somehow there be enough food in your house, God, that we can keep doing what we're doing. We can keep helping people. 
people. We can keep serving people. I thank you for it. Bless the people in this house. Bless the people of Triumph. Bless them as they give today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ushers, if you would assist us, let's try to do it very quickly. And uh, I want to share the word with you. As you give, you can open your Bibles, if you have them, to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. All right. If you're watching online, click the give button. If you're watching on the app, get, click the give button. And I know you're far away, but you can be with us. You okay? All right. I hope y'all enjoyed hearing some of those stories and what was happening. I know it took a little time, but I wanted you to know, I wanted you to be proud of yourselves, your other church members, your community, and just get a look at what's happening. Isaiah chapter 54, Isaiah chapter 54, almost done here. I'm ready to go. All right. Verse 7, if you're with me, say amen. I am reading from the New Living Translation. For a brief moment, I abandon you. But with great compassion, I will take you back. In a burst of anger, I turn my face for a little while. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. I want to talk to you about some of these verses, and we'll keep going. But let me talk to you just a, just a picture here of what God is saying. This is God speaking to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And I want you to note, he says, for a brief moment, I abandon you. The truth is that God never abandoned his people. It just felt like he did for a brief moment. In this, in this time, it, it feels like when you're in the midst of the storm and the waters are rising around you, it can feel like, God, where are you? But I want you to know that even when it, you feel that way, it's only for a brief moment. But you you compare that to what he says, with great compassion I will take you back. Though my face turned away for you just for a little while, just for a brief moment. Watch what he says, with everlasting love. There, here's the comparison he's saying, for a moment you thought I'd abandon you and you thought I'd turn my face from you, but for everlasting, forever, I will always be loving and kind to you. Notice the difference here. For a moment it looks difficult, but forever. I'm going to be with you. Then he goes on. He says, just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth. So now I swear that I will never again be angry or punish you for the mountains may move and the hills disappear. But even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken. Again, here's what he's saying. He, he reverts back to uh, Noah and the first time that the floodwaters had ever covered the earth. And what we see in this is the principle of first mention, where the first time something happens shows what God does or, or shows what God's love or how he works. And here's what he's saying. Sometimes waters will ride, but I, rise, but I want you to know they will always go down and I will always take care of you. So we, we see things in our life that now we expect when it rains, the ditches fill up and they went down. That had never happened before. So here's what God is saying. Back up for a moment. He's saying when things happen that you expect to happen. I'm going to take care of you. But then notice what he says. When the mountains move and the hills disappear. Now, how many of you know, I've never seen a mountain move and a hill disappear. So here's what he's saying. Even when things happen that you never thought could happen, even when places are flooded that you never thought could flood. Even when the water is so high you never thought it could get there. Even when events take place that are beyond the imagination. Like we've gone through. My covenant of blessing will never be broken. God has a covenant with his people. And even when things are in the unimaginable is happening, he's not going to break his blessing. And it's the Lord who has mercy on us. God is going to come through for you. Then watch what he says in verse 11. I think this is a word for us today. Oh, storm-battered city, troubled and desolate. Watch this. I will rebuild you with precious jewels. 
he goes on and he talks about the foundations. And in verse 12, he talks about uh, the streets and, and your towers being made with sparkling rubies and, and gates of shining gems. What is he saying here? He's not saying that necessarily your house, when you rebuild, is going to have rubies and diamonds hanging on it. What is he saying? He said, I want you to know that when I rebuild it, I'm going to help it be better than it ever was before. I want to speak this word to the people of this region, wherever you are, whether you're in here or you're watching alone, I want to encourage you that God himself is going to rebuild. And when he does, it'll be better than ever. Watch what God does. Oh, storm-battered city, oh, people who have felt abandoned, oh, people who have felt cut off from the world, God is going to rebuild you. Watch what he does. Watch what he does. And watch verse 13, and I'm going to close with this verse, and we're going to pray together. I love this, because God doesn't just talk about rebuilding the gates and the houses and things. He cares about things, but watch this. I will teach your children. God himself will teach your children, and they will will enjoy great peace. You know, our kids, they don't understand what's going on. They don't get it. They're confused. Their schools are flooded. Their the homes are gone. They're scared and they're confused. And, and we're doing our best to comfort them. And I want to speak this word that God himself is comforting the children of Southeast Texas. He's bringing, bringing in peace to their hearts right now. He's bringing joy. If your kids are struggling and struggling to sleep and they're worried and they're stressed and they don't even know how to explain that they're stressed, maybe they're acting out and, and, they're, and they're fighting and they don't, they don't mean to, but they don't understand. I want you to know God cares about your kids and he's going to take care of them. We got our kids upstairs right now. They're ministering to them right now. And I believe when they come back down, they're going to be filled with the peace of God. Wherever you are, God cares about your kids. And he's going to take care of them. It's going to be okay. I want to pray together. And I thought you might want to pray with me. Pastor Chris, if you would uh, help me as well with your team. Why don't we stand for a moment? I want to pray for our city. And we're going to kind of have a corporate prayer over our community. And pray for our leaders. Um, you know, not every decision they make is right. But if you knew the volume of the decisions and the, the amount of information that is changing at the pace that it's changing, you know, we might should not criticize and we might should lift up and support. Uh, they're in very difficult places. I know the volume of decisions that I've had to make. I can only imagine where they are. And so we're going to kind of uh, pray together. If you're watching online, grab hands with the people with you there and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we have come together today, joining with believers all over this nation, gathered in houses and churches and places to pray and to lift up your name. God, you said we could come to your house, we could come to your presence, and you would be glorified. So Lord, we're calling on you to rebuild our city. We're calling on you to rebuild our communities. We're calling on you to rebuild Southeast Texas and Houston, Lord God. We're calling on you to help those in need. Lord, we cannot do it alone. We need your help. For those that the waters are still rising, God, give them safety. May it not rise, but we call it to stop and halt right now in the name of Jesus. For those who still can't get back into their homes, we call for the waters to recede faster than they said they would. Lord, we're calling in resources to help us rebuild. Lord, we're calling in hope from the kingdom of God, from the people of God. Let us find something deep within us that is not because of our circumstances, but is in spite of our circumstances. God, with your help, we, we, we will rebuild and you will rebuild us stronger than we ever have before. And you are using this storm to, to mend the breaches and mend the divides and heal the brokenhearted. And Lord, somehow we are going to be the church more than we have ever been. And your light is you're going to shine. And things are turning around into our favor right now, Lord God. I declare that there is a breaking in our favor. There's a shifting in in our favor right now, Lord God. Oh, storm-battered city, our God will rebuild every city, every street, every home. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let's worship for a moment. In my favor. If you know it, sing it with us. The words are on the screen. There's a shifting in my direction in my direction
There's a breaking in our favor. There's a shifting in your direction. I'm speaking that word over your life. Oh, storm-battered city, things are turning around.